Hello, it's Liana Bolden with Eternally Speaking Now. Let's consider food for a few minutes, may we? Humanity has some serious food issues. <laughs> We're either thinking about it, hungering for it, planning for it, buying it, paying the bills for it, tipping the waitress for it, preparing it, cooking it, serving it, eating it, putting it away or cleaning it up, right? I think we can easily be consumed with food activities every day. And unfortunately, all too often, our excessive focus on food can eat, actually generate conflict, both within ourselves and with others. Consider things like having a concern about a picky toddler or an anorexic teen or we can find ourselves disappointed in the claims that promise miracles from the latest diet. We can also have inner turmoil of just daily temptations to overeat, unsuccessful attempts at avoiding sugar, discontentment with our own bodies that don't look the way they should. <laughs> can you relate with any of this? This big food fight can create a love-hate relationship resulting in stress that was never intended to be. And if none of this connects with you, well, that's really great. But the fact remains, even if you stopped eating altogether, your stomach would eventually scream, I'm hungry, feed me. <laughs> none of us can escape food. We need it for fuel. We need it to survive. Somewhere along the way, though, things got all mixed up. Question, where did we go wrong with this food thing? Answer, in the Garden of Eden. While there are many directions in which we could explore this, for the purposes of this message, let's settle on this for now. Jesus wants to be at the center of our food experiences. That's how things began, and that is how they will end. So let's do a little history lesson. How did food begin? Well, when God created Adam and Eve, the first human beings, he provided them with a glorious garden filled with exotic foods. Genesis 2, 8-9 says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did you catch that? God gave them trees that were enjoyable to look at and that were good for food. Genesis 2 verses 16 to 17 continue. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Hmm, did you see that? They were free to eat. In fact, they were to freely eat. All of this took place before the fall of man, before sin, before death. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Think about that. Wait, we need food to survive, right? 
Without food we die, correct? Yet, when God created food and provided it to human beings to eat, it was before sin, before death. He didn't give them food to keep them alive. There was no death yet. Then why did God give them food to eat? Scripture clearly reveals the answer. He gave us food to enjoy. All right, when I first learned this, I'll confess, it, it frightened me, really. More often than not, I restrain myself from freely eating. Determined to abide by the eat to live mentality, not the live to eat approach. Well, while the Lord may have created food for our enjoyment, the sin and the death that later entered humanity twisted and defiled God's original design. Not to mention all the ways the quality of food has declined due to excessive manipulation, you know, manufacturing and processing. But what was originally intended as a gift from our Father has become a tool to satisfy the sinful nature within us. And that's all driven by lust, pride, and a need to control. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Satan tempted Eve to commit the original sin by appealing to these very areas of temptation that we wrestle against today. Genesis 3.6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. People of God, food wasn't designed for this. Genesis 3, 7 to 8 continues. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Oh, what a tragedy. Disobeying the Lord led to being separated from him. It led to death. And here we are today, stuck with all our messed up food issues. <laughs> Yet, must we be? While we cannot remove the presence of sin and temptation in this world, we can choose to obey God. His Holy Spirit gives us all we need to walk in close fellowship with him. And that does include the area of eating. Listen to 2 Peter 1 verses 3 to 4. God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Well, I'm not saying it's easy to suddenly wake up tomorrow morning and be free from any unhealthy food issues. I'm the last who could say that. I have found great freedom, though, in learning where my food issues come from and then surrendering them to God. Wherever we are in our journey with food, we can, at least, begin to look at it differently 
and considered challenging ourselves to let Jesus use food to draw us closer into intimate fellowship with him. So let me leave you with this challenge. Before humanity chose to disobey God, there was nothing that separated Adam and Eve from the Lord. The presence and glory of God enveloped them and they experienced unbroken fellowship with the Heavenly Father. They ate in the constant glorious presence of God and it was good. Listen, let me say that again. They ate in the constant glorious presence of God and it was good. This, my dear friends, is the great challenge that we delight in God as we eat. So how will food end? Remember, Jesus wants to be at the center of our food experiences. This is how things began and that's how they will end. We've looked at how they began and we've seen that our challenge is to delight in God as we eat. Well, how will food end? Yes, today we need food to survive since sin and death exist, but food was not introduced with that intention and it will not end with that purpose. After we're all gathered together with Jesus in heaven, do you know what we'll do? We will eat. <laughs> the Lord will host the marriage supper of the Lamb. It will be a feast and it will take place after sin and death have been removed from our bodies. Once again, we'll eat together with Jesus and it won't be because we would die without food. It will be because he wants us to delight in him, to worship him as we partake. Check this out. It's in Revelation 19, 5 through 9. This is our future, guys. This is so exciting. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Oh, what if we worshiped God like that every time we thought about food? We don't have to wait until the marriage supper of the Lamb to rejoice in him, to celebrate him, to give him glory. What a way to take back what the enemy has stolen. Will you try something with me? Every time you think about food or do something food related, stop and invite Jesus into that moment. Choose to delight in him. Invite him in and delight in him. Hmm, that's got a good ring to it. Invite and delight. Invite and delight. So how may that look? Well, let's just say it's time to empty the dishwasher. 
that's food related, right? As you begin your chore, invite Jesus to be a part of the activity. Choose to delight in him, which may include something like thanking him you have dishes to stack and empty. Or here's another example. Let's say you're grocery shopping. You go through the aisles. Ask him to hold your hand and help you make wise choices. That's a way to invite him into your shopping experience. Then, as you load the items into your car, thank him for giving you the strength to lift them and the money to buy them. That's the delight. Invite and delight. Just think, if we did this every time we thought about or handled food, we, find our, we would find ourselves not only deeper in relationship with God, but also walking in greater freedom from strongholds. As one who lives this way, I'm not perfect at it, but do it a lot all day, I can testify to that truth. Let's use food as a tool for practicing the presence of God, inviting him into our moments and delighting in him as our savior and friend. Now that is a food issue I'm willing to swallow. How about you?